we, we have a list of those things out there that you'll pick up on the way out. It looks like this. It's an orange piece of paper. Um, and it's just got some dates. Uh, put it on your calendar or give it to your mom or dad and have them put it on their calendar so they'll remind you. Um, but it's just some random stuff. You know, I mean, nothing huge, but it's a time for us to get together and just hang out. You know what I mean? That's where relationships strengthen is in those, those marginal times where um, there's no real agenda other than to be together right? I'm pretty excited about those. I'm I'm especially excited about Urban Air. I just love Urban Air, and I love... um, So there was this game that was out whenever I was a kid uh, on my Nintendo. Actually, I think it was on Super Nintendo, uh, called NBA Jam. Um, And NBA Jam uh, was, if you don't know, it's a a basketball game. Uh, Two-on-two basketball. And, like, the, the whole cool part of the game was that these people could just fly into the air. The goal's way down here, and they would do these crazy dunks, and it was just awesome, right? And so me and my friends used to move my trampoline up to our basketball goal and play basketball, right? And we'd try to be NBA Jam. We'd fly all over the place and, and, and dunk the ball, and most of the time just get hurt. Um, but well, the first time I, I heard of Urban Air, I had looked online, I saw, and I saw that they had basketball goals there, and I saw that there was trampolines. The, the whole place was just trampolines, and I thought, this is my dream. And, and this is what I did when I was a kid. I could have made millions. I could have been a bajillionaire if I would have just taken my idea of putting my crampy trampoline up to my basketball goal and made, just put a building over it and said, 20 bucks, I'll let you do it. <laughs> you know, I would have been a millionaire. But so much for that. Um, <laughs> but you'll get that piece of paper on the way out. Seriously, though, we'll, we'll, we'll all be there. We'd love to just hang out and, um, and have a good time. Summer is also a great time because you get this break from school. Um, you, you get this, you get this time. Like I know a lot of you have some busy things in parts of the summer, but you have more time over the summer generally than you do in the school year. And, and it's an aw- awesome time to do some self-reflection, but also um, a time to do some serving, a time to to reach out, a time for our faith, that part of our spirit uh, that we connect with here on a Wednesday night to transform, or to use a fancy um, word, to manifest itself into something physical, something that you um, are doing for others selflessly. Um, So it's a really great time to do that. And so what we're going to talk about tonight is a little bit of why. It's the why. Why do we serve? Um, And then at the end, we're going to talk about how. How do we serve? Um, And so that's kind of where we're going to go tonight. So we're going to start with some scripture. Always a good thing to do in church. Start from the scripture. Um, We're going to look at the Gospel of John. Um, so if you've never opened a Bible before in the New Testament, so that's the, the second half of the Bible, um, there are four Gospels. They tell the story of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, and so in the Gospel of John, chapter 13, there's this fairly well-known story of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. All right? And so we're going to read that story now, and then we're going to talk a little bit about it. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were, who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil, in, in italics, had already prompted Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples, uh, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had um, come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, so they're sitting down, Jesus got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, so he still had his under clothing, um, 
and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. When he came to Simon Peter, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what you are doing, what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you, for he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said that not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher. You call me Lord. And rightly so, for that is what I am. And now that I, your Lord, your teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set, I have set an example for you that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. And now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Have you ever stepped in anything you, stepped in anything you didn't want to step in before? I'm not going to ask you to list those things that you would rather not step in, but um, I, I have done this. I don't own a dog. I'm going to tell you this right up front. I don't own a dog. Um, and do you want to know why I don't own a dog? I, the number one reason, number one reason I don't own a dog is because I don't want my yard to turn into a minefield. Those of you that have dogs understand what I'm talking about. I don't want to constantly have to watch my step in my yard. I don't want to walk around my yard with the fear of what's lurking in the grass. Me, personally, I like to walk like this. I don't want to walk like this in my yard. This is why I don't own a dog. I want to just roam freely without a care in the world. It's my yard. I paid a lot of money for that yard. And I don't want no dog just pooping in it. The other annoying thing about having a dog is when you have guests over and you're outside playing, and then you have to give them all like the zones that you've got to be careful in. Like, hey, right here, totally cool. 90% chance you're not going to step in poop. But over there, pretty good chance. You might want to watch your step over there. Just better, better not go over there at all. Like your house comes with this disclaimer of where to go and where not to go because you might step in feces. Like that's not... Not worth it to have a dog, right? So the other day, I'm mowing the grass at my house. Love mowing the grass because I like, you know, my poop-free yard to look pristine, right? And so I, I'm walking around, mowing the grass, minding my own business, and then I smell something. And at first, it's that quizzical, what's that smell? And then after that, it turns into this rage that starts well i don't even know what it is i haven't even looked but i just have this gut feeling and i'm getting really angry and i look down 
And there is dog poop. And it wasn't a little bit. It was a lot of bit. And I had stepped right in it. Right in it. And it was not old. It was very new. Very new. Very new poop. There it is. Nasty dog poop in my yard. Smashed into my grass. All in the cracks and crevices of my shoe. If you've ever stepped in poop before, you know that you could get a stick or something or you could like scrape it off, but it's in there. It's in there. And you know when you walk into your house, you're just spreading that all over the place, right? Poop. And good luck trying to get it out of there. There's no stick that small and that strong to get all that out. It it ain't coming out. This is why I don't have a dog. And yet somebody else let their dog just poop in my yard. Having a dog's annoying because they poop all over the place. That's not the point of this story. (laughs) Imagine with me, if you will, the time in which Jesus lived. A time where there was no such thing as Nike or Sperry uh, or Keds or Converse, nothing like that. Nothing but flip-flops and chacos, right? What? Wait for it. <laughs> Our jandals. Oh, okay. <laughs> jandals. I'm old. And you had those things, you had those things if you were lucky, right? I mean, you, like it was a luxury to have something on your feet. Most, most people that didn't have any money, they're just walking around barefoot, Right? So the point of the story is you did not have open shoes, right? You had some thin something between you and the ground and some strap-like thing keeping it on your foot. This is what you had. And nothing there is paved. Everything's dirt. This is the Middle East we're talking about. Sandy dirt. Not very much greenery around. Um, We're not paving roads. There's no sidewalks. There's no cement. So the roads you have are dirt. The floor in your house is dirt. So just imagine, this is just dirt on the ground, right? All dirt. And those of you with Chacos have just nasty, grody feet because all that dirt's just getting all over you and your foot sweat. Like, this is what's happening in Jesus' time. You have to walk everywhere because there's no cars and there's no bikes or longboards. Like, there's nothing with wheels really getting you around anywhere. Um, And at the end of the day, like, your foot is probably just gross, right? Right? Some of you have maybe worked at a camp before. I used to work at a camp, and you would wear flip-flops. And by the end of the day, like, I'm not going to describe it too much, but it it was pretty awful. Like, it was bad news bears. Like, you just didn't, the stuff that your feet had to see and endure in that time. um, So by the end of the day, it's pretty dirty. And And really, again, not to try to get too gross here, but they didn't really have indoor plumbing either. Um, So there was, like, places you went to the bathroom, right? Um. Yeah, in the yard. <laughs> in the yard, basically. This is why you didn't own other humans, right? Uh, so you, you would go to the bathroom. There's no indoor plumbing. There were just these ditches on the side of the road, right, that carried away any sort of wastewater or waste anything that was in the water. It just kind of went down the side. Um, and that was if somebody was polite enough to use that. You also have moving goods back and forth. You have animals, mostly donkeys, uh, pulling carts with stuff. Uh, let me, let me just put it this way. Jesus and his disciples' feet were probably the nastiest feet ever. I know it's weird to say about Jesus, but he probably had real gross feet. 
And, and some of you in this room have an issue with feet today, like today with feet. Like I could, somebody could just step right out the shower, had scrubbed their foot with all of their might, put it in your face and you would vomit. Like you just don't want to be around feet. Some people hate feet. Now imagine with me, Jesus and his disciples walking everywhere they go in their old school chacos and getting whatever is out there on the ground all over them all the time. Gross. That's the scene. That's the scene we're in right here. And, and, and back in those times, it was polite. Like if you were going to somebody's house for any reason, but especially if you were staying for dinner. I mean, dinner, you're going to be eating food. You know, you kind of want to be presentable. Um, that if I invited some people to my house, I would have my servant clean everybody's feet. That was a gratitude. You know, I would, I, I would thank you for coming over. Um, my servant here is going to make sure your feet are squeaky clean before we sit down to have dinner together. That was the job of a servant. And it was disgusting. They would come over. They would bring their wash basin. They would fill it with water. They would get on their hands and their knees, and they would wipe all of that grossness off of your feet. This was a job for a servant because it was humiliating. It's lowly. It is disgusting. And why would anybody, if they're not being forced to do that, do that job? Why would anybody, first off, I mean, today I wouldn't want to get down on my hands and knees with a wash basin and a cloth and just wash your feet right now. Uh, But even back then, like, definitely don't want to do that. And so you'd always just have your servant because you didn't really care about them. uh, Don't mind them. They're just going to come wash your feet, right? And, And here we are at dinner, and somehow Jesus and his disciples have sat down to dinner, and this has not been offered in any way. And Jesus notices nobody's volunteering themselves to get up and wash anybody's feet. I mean, Simon and John, these disciples are down here cutting up and laughing. Some of them are probably grumbling like, man, they don't have anybody here to wash our feet. They're chuckling at each other. Hey, why don't you wash your feet? Oh, gross, why don't you do it? Playing paper, rock, scissors to see who's going to wash whose feet. What have? And so, and so then we have Jesus looking down this row of people and without saying a word, stands up wraps that towel around his waist, kneels down, and begins to scrub his disciples' feet. What a shocking thing to do. I mean, this is unheard of. But this is the audacious servanthood of Christ. This is what he was. He shocked people with the things that he would do, that he would step out out of his own comfort zone, no concern of what people would think of him, And he would stoop down and serve those that are supposed to be following him. He's supposed to be the leader. So if anybody was going to get, you know, the option to opt out of washing feet, it was Jesus. Not only as their rabbi and their leader, but as the son of God, right? He should should be able to say, all right, guys, uh, one of you are definitely going to be washing the feet today. Not me. I'm Jesus. And Jesus, he stood up. And began to wash their nasty feet. This is why Peter freaked out. Probably a little bit of shame. I mean, here's Jesus, the guy I'm following, the guy I admire. You know, I'm trying to be like him. He's the son of God, so he says. 
And he's down here. Here's my nasty feet. I don't want him anywhere near my feet. Gross. Jesus, um, Peter shouts out, never. Jesus, you will never wash my feet. There's probably got to be a little bit of embarrassment in there too. Like, shoot, man. Now we're in trouble. Jesus is up washing the feet. I should have I done that. Like, you know, why didn't I think to do that? Who knows what they were feeling, but Jesus replies to Peter, who is ashamed or grossed out or who knows what's going through Peter's mind. And Jesus responds to him that if you don't let me do this, then you don't understand who I am and what I'm about. Peter, if you do not let me wash your feet, then there's no way you can comprehend what I'm calling you to do. No way. Because this is it. This is what I'm calling you to do. And I can imagine Peter looking at Jesus, this person he's admired, his rabbi, see him stooping himself down. Then Peter's looking at his feet and getting that kind of uneasiness in his stomach. Not a, not a queasy, like, oh, this is so gross, my stomach hurts. But that feeling that this is, this is something big that is happening right here, and I can't really comprehend what's happening. But this is big. And it's making me feel a little uncomfortable. So when Jesus finishes, he gets up and he puts his little cloak back on and he sits back down in his chair. And he says, now do y'all understand what I just did? Because I'm pretty sure they were all kind of like, do you understand what I just did? Jesus to paraphrase the, the thing, because I just read it for you, but to paraphrase it, Jesus says, I'm the most important person in this room. I mean, secretly, I'm the most important person ever, but I'm the most important person in this room right now. And if anybody didn't have to wash feet, it should have been me. Yet I did the lowliest of chores. I've set an example for you. As I have just done, so you should do for each other. This is what I'm going to call the whole world to do. Not just specifically wash each other's feet. To think that would be to miss the point. For Jesus, it was like nobody is above serving anybody else. In any way. Nobody is above serving anybody else in any way. And the true mark of my disciples, that's you, the true mark of my disciples are going to be people that will do what I just did for other people. That's my disciple. When I read this passage of Scripture, my mind immediately jumps to all the things that uh, I'm too good to do. (laughs) My mind jumps to all those things uh, it could be at home, it could be up here at work, it could be, you know, wherever. And if I'm asked to do something or I see something that needs to be done, my mind goes to, why do I have to do this? Or don't, don't we have somebody who could do this for me? I, I don't know if y'all know, but I'm a pastor here now. And so, you know, I mean... <laughs> Right? You know, 
that's a sh- I'm ashamed to say that, but that those thoughts go through my mind. And I wish every time that thought popped into my head that I'm a little too good to do something or can somebody else just do that or why does that have to be me that does that? I wish, I wish John 13 would pop into my head. I wish that picture of Jesus down in the dirt with his nasty disciples' feet washing their feet would pop into my head. I wish that popped into my head because then I would think, man, the Son of God did the grossest thing ever. Why can't I just do this? Jesus didn't complain. He didn't stand up and (sighs) get down there and start washing feet. Jesus did it. And if Jesus can do that, then why am I, why do I feel this way sometimes? I shouldn't. In Romans chapter 12, it's a book later on in the New Testament written by a guy named Paul. He echoes this idea. Um, he, he's, 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 he's preaching the gospel of Christ to the Romans and, and he's going on this big long diatribe. I mean, this is chapter 12. So for like 12 chapters, Paul's going on and on and on and on and on about this stuff. And he finally gets here. Chapter 12, verse 1. It starts with, therefore. And anytime you see therefore, it means all the stuff in front of it was like evidence leading up to this one conclusion. So you read, I'm not going to read all 12 of those chapters to you. But you read them all, and then Paul goes, and because of all of this, therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy... That means in seeing the mercy of God, in seeing the grace of God, in seeing the servanthood of God through Christ. I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Holy and pleasing to God. That is your spiritual act of worship. That is your outpouring of faith. That is the product of belief in Jesus. That is the product of being a disciple of Christ. When we decide, Jesus, you are Lord of my life. I am following you. You are my rabbi. You are my Lord. I am your disciple. I am following you. When I do that, when I have made that decision, the outpouring of my life, the product of my life would be to serve others, to offer myself as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. It's like if you could take all of what being a Christian is, coming to church and reading your Bible and praying, um, all that stuff, and you just put plus signs in between all those things, and you put an equal at the end of it, it would turn into service. Serving one another. That's what that is. Now, I, I, I want you to hear me very carefully here. We, we, at, we at this church, um, we, we don't believe that good works equal salvation. Right? And we often, we often as a church, universally, like not just this church, but like every church, um, we sometimes slide into these, this language where it sounds like if you don't believe the right thing or you don't do the right things or if you drink too much beer before you're 21 or you smoke cigarettes or you have sex before you're married, if you do all these things that you can't love Jesus and Jesus don't love you. You know what I'm talking about? 
Hopefully I've never done that to you. I, I, really hope, I, I really hope I haven't. But sometimes we do slide in that language because, yeah, sure, all of those things are good. Those are, those are good things, living a healthy, healthy life. But good works, doing all the right things does not equal salvation. If we read in our scriptures, it says Christ died for you while you were still a sinner. Like, it, it, it already happened. That was the point of what Jesus did was that you didn't deserve this. The disciples didn't deserve for him to get down and wash their feet. He just did it. That's who we are. We, we, are, we are saved by the grace of God, not by our good works. But good works do not equal salvation. But salvation equals good works. When you become one with Christ, when you start growing closer to him, whenever you feel near to God, whenever you're getting deep in the scriptures, when you know more and more of his word, that, that translates into good works. You see, from the very beginning, the disciples didn't know really anything about Jesus. Jesus said, hey, follow me. And they're like, okay. And they went. Jesus didn't quiz them. Wait, who am I? Wrong. Next. Who, who am I? Jesus, very good. You can come on. You know what I mean? Like, there was no quiz. There was no, like, obstacle course. It was just, follow me. They're like, okay, we're going. And you see throughout their time together that the disciples get it wrong often. There's lots of time where Jesus does stuff, and they're like, whoa, who is this guy? There's a specific story where Jesus calms a storm, you know. He's sleeping on the boat, and there's a storm happening, and the disciples are freaking out. They wake him up, Jesus, why are you sleeping? He goes, do you know who I am? He gets up on the boat and goes, shh, and the storm stops. And they'll go, wow, who is this guy? They've spent so much time with him. And the disciples, what they did is they just decided to keep following. And when Jesus would say, hey, take these fish and loaves and feed the people, they're like, okay, we're feeding, we're serving, we're doing. We, we're not sure who you are. We don't, I don't know if we believe all the right things yet. Peter still messes stuff up all the time. Christians aren't perfect people. Good works don't equal salvation. But when you follow Christ, it means that you serve others. That's part of the job description. And that's who we are. And that's a beautiful thing. The beautiful thing is, is that Christ isn't inviting us to do these things so that we, he will love us. What he's doing is he's inviting us into his work of transforming the world. He's saying, you know what, I know you're not perfect, but I want you to come with me and change the world with me. I want you to see some crazy things happen because of your generosity, because of the things you will do for other people that they don't even deserve, but you're going to do it. And watch how that changes the world. He's inviting us into that with him. I, I, I don't know about you, but that, that amazes me. That little, stupid, ignorant me is called by the great God above to join him in the transformation of the world. It's amazing. That's what we're called to do in Ephesians. Another thing written by Paul, probably. Uh, chapter 2, verse 9 through 10. It says, salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. Good works doesn't equal salvation. So none of us can boast about it. You didn't earn it. For we are God's masterpiece, and he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. You see how that works? Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, but he has created us anew in Christ so that we can do good things. So, 
back to my original statement, this summer, this summer, I, I hope that you get this focus of uh, this idea of serving. Uh, and what I mean by serving is not just here, you know, I, I'm doing this. Serving is a complete act of selflessness. Like, I'm going to do something, and I don't get anything out of it. I mean, obviously, you might feel good for doing it, because you're like, well, look at there. That was good. That was good. That felt good. But there's no other real benefit for you. There's nothing for you to gain out of it. I'm just serving to serve. I'm serving because I love Christ. I hope you find ways, because that can happen all over. So there was the why. This is why we serve, but this is how we serve. Think about your day-to-day. Wake up when you go to sleep. Who are you serving? Who are you reaching out to? What are you doing for others that is completely beyond yourself? For your family, for your, your parents, for friends at school, for your non-friends at school. That's the hardest one. What are we doing in our day-to-day? I ask myself this often. You know, like I, I have a family at home. I have a wife and a child. You know, I feel like my entire life is like serving my child. I've got to make him breakfast and I've got to put his clothes on him and bathe him. You know, I've got to do all that stuff. You know, but... Sometimes, sometimes I treat that like, oh, this is another thing I got to do. Like, I got your clothes dirty again. I just put new clothes on you. Instead of serving with joy. How do I serve my wife? How am I kind to her? How, how, are there times where, you know, I just really don't feel like getting up and there's dirty dishes on the sink and ugh. Maybe if I just pretend they're not there, somebody else will do them. The problem is there's only two of us capable of doing those. Sometimes I'm really tired, you know, and like, but what what would happen in in Holly's heart if, without her asking me, if I just decided I'm going to sneak in there and do those dishes real quick, I'm going to sneak out, and then she's going to go in there to do the dishes, you know, she's just going to be like, oh, I got to do these dishes, and then like, oh my gosh, the dishes are done, like. What would that do for Because I know what it does for me when she does little things like that. I come home and serve me in little ways, like unexpected ways, and she's not asking me to say thank you or, to, oh, you're the best wife ever. You know, she's not, that's what she's asking for. She just does it because she loves me. What would that look like in your life? We have plenty of ways to do that coming this summer. I know we've, we've talked about it a lot, but United Mission Week is coming up. There's about a week and a half left to sign up. If you haven't done it yet, I, I highly encourage you to do this. Is, this, can, this can be a very transformative week because it's a little bit of everything. It's a little bit of service, but man, it's, it's totally Im, uh, a total immersion into Christ that week. You know, we got just some amazing worship. You meet some new people. meet some great adults who really pour into your life. You get an opportunity to serve other people that you don't even know. It's an amazing thing. And so I, I really encourage you, if you haven't signed up yet, please think, think really hard about that. I, I really, really want you to be able to do that. It's the biggest thing we do all year. And I, and I don't say that just so we can have a lot of people go, because I want a lot of people to go because it's that good. It's that good of a thing. Mission, mission trips used to, trans, I mean, that transformed my life when I was in high school. I had a friend. I could never get him to go to church. He thought it was stupid. Church was the stupidest thing ever. And I just, I asked him one year, it was our senior year, I said, you want to go on a mission trip with us? And he was working at the time, he worked really hard to help support his family. And he said, let me call my boss. And he called me right back. He said, yeah, this was the day before we left. And we were traveling. 
day before we left, he went with us. Not a Christian, does not care at all about Christ. I mean, if, if there was a way to live opposite of being a Christian, it, that was him. I don't know why he went, but he did. And on that trip, like, he felt something different, something new in him. Faith was more than just, i got to read my Bible, and I don't understand half of this stuff. Faith began to make sense because it turned into actually serving other people. And I watched him transform. To this day, uh, his name is Kevin. Not this Kevin. Uh, from that day forward, he came home, he decided, I want to be baptized. I want to be a Christian. Dude used to cuss like a sailor. Never said another cuss word again in his life. I swear to you. It's so weird. I don't know how he did it. He just decided one day, I'm not going to cuss anymore. Because you know what? I don't think a Christian should cuss, so I'm not going to. And he didn't. Quit. He was baptized in our church. He's been working in churches ever since. Still to this day, married to a, a, a beautiful woman. And he is, he is just this amazing guy. All because of that trip. I'm not promising that for you, but I'm just saying it. Stuff happens, man, when you really immerse yourself in that. That's not the only way to do that either. We have vacation Bible camp coming up in June. That's a great way to serve. You don't even really have to get out and like use a hammer or anything. You just get to be silly and goofy with kids. Kids that are coming. I mean, there are going to be over a thousand people here. It's crazy. So many kids. And they're coming here, and you get to show them Christ. You get to be nice to them and smile. You get to do dances and wacky things. But you, most importantly, you get to introduce them to Jesus. Many of them that don't go to church, you get to introduce them to Jesus and what he's done for you. Big, 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 big deal. In the fall, we got some big changes coming up here at Student Ministry. Some really exciting things happening I'm not going to tell you about now. I don't want to spoil it. But we got some really cool things happening, some things switching around uh, that's just going to really shake up for the better how we're doing things up here. And part of that change is, is we're looking at a, a way that we can get you plugged in as students into serving. I know a lot of you do that already. Um, but serving in a big way, student leadership team, something like that. And that's another thing I'd love for you to pray about over the summer, especially you um, that would be upperclassmen, um, to be thinking about that and how church can be, become more than just, you know, coming to church. It can be an opportunity to lead the church as well. Um, so there's plenty of, plenty of ways to do that. But I encourage you this summer that, to really find those ways daily that you can serve. I encourage you to, to choose one, I, I would hope both, but one of those, either Vacation Bible Camp or, or Mission Week, um, to sign up to volunteer for one of those and be a part of that. Um, that, that such a big week each of those are. And then I want you to, those of you that are upperclassmen, begin praying about next year um, and, and being part of that leadership team, committing to... Uh, not only coming to church, but leading the church. So um, I, w- I want that for you guys because that's what Jesus did, and that's what he wants for us, and that's how we, that's how we change the world, not because we win debates, not, be because, not because we convince somebody uh, of all the things that are in the Bible, but because we serve. That's how you change the world. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you so much for tonight. Thank you for your word and your truth, God, that you've given us. And we just pray, God, now that we humble ourselves. We humble ourselves, God, as you humbled yourself. God, as low as you stooped down to serve those that followed you, may we do the same. May we have that same servant heart, God. We just pray that. We want to be like you. We thank you, God. As we consider these opportunities that we have now, daily in our lives, God, but also these, oppor- these big opportunities coming up this summer, God. We pray that you lead us. 
you lead us where you want us, God, and, and, and where we can meet you face to face, where we can be in your presence, God, because we want to be close to you. God, we have a couple weeks left in the school year. We just pray that we keep our minds right, God, and we, and we get ourselves to summer, God. We thank you so much for that, that rest and release that comes with the summer months. In your name we pray. Amen.